Chapter Sixteen of Clog Shop Chronicles by John Ackworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen, The Zeal of Thine House, Three, Of His Necessity. Long Ben, Jabe, and the Super, with their heads close together, were bending over certain hasty lead pencil drawings, engrossed in earnest conversation. Owd, owd! cried the clogger interrupting the minister you munna talk like that the only chance of getting it through will be for to keep them names out if you're talking about roman exes and gothics to our chaps you'll ruin the job and waste a warky new as it is oh think we'd better let thou windows a be chimed in ben but you can mak a fancy front if you're on a mind only don't call it by any fancy names very good said the super with a sigh of disappointment i'll do the best i can and you must pave the way for me and there mun be no steeples no pinnacles no hangels yeds no chinese wark about it persisted jabe and as the super nodded slowly ben gently added and we mun ha no thrutchin and wilter shalter wark if they winna they winna and we arena for to hurt even one o these little ones and the tremolo cadence of anxiety in the carpenter's voice disarmed a momentary irritation in the minister's mind. This conversation took place on a Sunday afternoon. The two officials having made up their minds that though the old building must be preserved, some heed must be paid to the wishes of those who pressed for improvement, had requested an interview with their ecclesiastical chief, of which the words recorded above were the closing parts. They had explained to him the exact situation, and after a stealthy visit to the chapel, ostensibly to address the scholars, but really to survey the premises, the super had hastily sketched a plan which had the tentative support of his subordinates, the understanding being that he was to prepare detailed drawings, and submit the whole scheme to a meeting of trustees, Jabe and Ben undertaking to prepare the way as best they could. Now, since the memorable scene in the churchyard, silas only an occasional visitor before had taken to attending regularly at the clog shop evidently apprehensive lest in his absence some conspiracy might be hatching for the injury of his beloved chapel and as sam speck had recently taken to openly advocating a new building thereby manifesting a dangerous independence of judgment the clog shop confabulations often developed into stand-up forensic fights between the two the other members of the party only making occasional contributions to the debates. On the Sunday night in question, the discussion on the super's sermon lasted rather longer than usual, a passing reference of his to Socinianism having produced itching curiosity on the part of the irresponsibles, and evasion and impenetrable mystery on the part of those who were generally recognised as authorities. Presently, however, Long Ben, who was generally supposed to dislike the subject of the new chapel, as provocative of strong words and stronger emotions, actually introduced the question himself. Sam Speck, astonished at this manoeuvre, and hoping, though with misgivings, that he had made a convert, at once launched out in commendation of the enterprise and pluck of the Clough Enders, and the grandeur of the new building, at least as far as its plans were concerned. Of course, Silas, the chapel-keeper, at once accepted the challenge, and was soon giving Sam a Roland for his Oliver. To the surprise of everybody, 
Long Ben and Jabe immediately took sides with Silas, and out-heroded Herod in their denunciation of any idea of erecting a new sanctuary. Sam was dumbfounded, and Silas, whose only reliable supporters hitherto had been Lige and Jethro, rejoiced over the new converts with many a quiet chuckle. Sam looked crestfallen, and Jonas Tatlock and Nathan the Smith, his chief supporters, frowned and looked at each other in sympathetic resentment. Presently, Long Ben, contemplating with peculiar steadiness the candle on the table, and with the most guileless expression of countenance he could command, remarked, The independence has a greatly nice chapel at the opening gate. Aye, added Jabe reflectively, as if the idea were perfectly new to him, specially since it were rebuilt. As nobody followed this subtle lead, Ben resumed, Let's see, when were it fettled up? Nine years sin, come thrust of February, said Lige, who prided himself on chronology. Nobody, however, seemed to take any particular interest in the matter, for the halfpenny gate was four miles away, and the chapel only an independent one. And Jethro was just beginning to hum a tune preparatory to starting a hymn, singing being not an uncommon practice when topics of interest were scarce, when Jabe observed, it were the poorest chapel of the countryside afore it were enlarged. So it were, lad, replied Ben, apparently only just remembering the fact. And then after another pause he went on, Oh, no in favour of new patches up old clothes as a general thing, but it's all reet in some cases, and says both brass and foin art. Now Sam Speck, indignant at the unusually emphatic manner in which the recognised heads had opposed his new building scheme was giving but a sulky and indifferent ear to the conversation but happening to lift his head at this moment he caught a gleam in ben's eye which came as a revelation to him and catching at the suggestion hidden under ben's last remark he cried out suddenly that's it bar them on that's it chaps we'll enlarge thouden and those crafty schemers jabe and ben affected to consider this as a totally new idea they tilted back their chairs and studied the joists intently and then slowly shook their heads as if to say that they thought very little of the scheme and at any rate saw serious difficulties and their attitude had exactly the effect they expected gentle opposition only wedded sam the faster to his idea and made him the more fruitful of arguments in favour of it. Silas also, a much more serious difficulty than Sam, was deceived by the manoeuvre, and as the only person present who knew the exact measurements, supplied details which strongly confirmed Sam's proposal, and very soon found himself getting angry at the inconvincibleness of the arch-conspirators. At length, after long argument, Jabe, in dubious hesitant tones, admitted that there met be summat in it and with that the assembly dissolved sam full of the double glory of invention and conquest in argument and the two stewards demurely content the following friday the super held the trustees meeting and expounded his scheme the old building was to be left intact except that the front was to be taken out and brought forward thus giving about forty extra sittings in the chapel the vestry at the back was to be pulled down, and a schoolroom erected in its place. The old woodwork of the chapel was to be removed into the school, but the pulpit and communion rail were to be left intact. And when, after describing his scheme in outline, 
the super unfolded a number of beautifully drawn and coloured plans as good as pictures according to sam speck and invited examination seven self-consciously important men drew up to the table and proceeded to scrutinise the designs with as much of the air of experts as they could manage to put on they hung long and lovingly over the pictures and when the super returned that night to duxbury he had full authority to proceed and left behind him a body of men who spent the rest of the evening marvelling at the extent and versatility of his gifts a day or two later completed plans were sent and lay on the clog shop counter for public inspection and for the next fortnight beckside methodism sat in almost perpetual committee over these latest examples of the minister's skill by the end of that time there was scarcely a person concerned even remotely in the matter who had not given judgment in favour of the scheme there was one exception however and though it would ordinarily have been regarded as of little moment yet after what had passed in the graveyard jabe and ben were honestly distressed at the ominous silence of silas the super was coming over to a public meeting for the purpose of raising funds on the friday and wednesday night had arrived but the chapel-keeper had given no sign glowing descriptions of the new designs had been given him by those who knew nothing of what had occurred between him and the leaders twice after putting the plans in a conspicuous place on the counter jabe had sent for silence on some invented business in order to draw him into a criticism of the scheme but without success and to have directly broached the question would have been to court failure thursday the day before the great meeting arrived and no satisfactory evidence was forthcoming as to silas's attitude in the quietest part of the afternoon of that day however whilst jabe was busy upon a new pair of clogs silas suddenly presented himself he wanted a clog iron on and he wanted it on in a great hurry and catching sight out of the corner of his eye of the plans he turned his face towards the opposite wall and became intensely interested in a quite venerable advertisement of patent blacking jabe took most extraordinary pains with that clog iron and succeeded in making the operation last quite a long time in the meantime silas affecting the most restless impatience fidgeted every moment about the shortness of time presently jabe began dropping hints and putting leading questions but silas would not be caught and when the iron had been replaced and another one that jabe discovered to be loosening had been made secure and the repairing process could no longer be prolonged he handed back the clog to its owner with a petulant jerk silas on his side now that the opportunity of departure was provided seemed suddenly to have been seized with a fit of lingering and manifested a reluctance to depart strangely inconsistent with his former feverish impatience at this moment a new idea occurred to jabe and catching sight of a pair of clogs evidently waiting to be taken home he cried out eh hey dear that lump yed of a isaac's gone to his tay bart tacking jethro's clugs wi him sit thee down silas and mind the shot will ar nip down and tick em the owd lad conna come out till he gets em silas forgetting his previous haste complied with ill-disguised alacrity and almost before jabe had closed the shop door he was bending eagerly over the erstwhile invisible plans he had a good long look at them for jabe was an unconscionable time away and when he did return he found the plans apparently as he had left them and silas still engrossed in the subject of patent blacking 
Jabe attempted to draw the chapel-keeper into conversation again, but without success. Silas remembered his forgotten haste and departed with demonstrations of impatience, leaving the clogger wrestling with a sense of defeat. In the evening Silas joined the company round the fire, and appeared very attentive when anything referring to the renovation scheme was introduced, and when he had departed, Ben nodded his head sagaciously across the fireplace at his friend, and remarked, "'He's coming round nicely, thou sees.' The following night the great meeting was to be held. The super was to take the chair, and for some days consultations had been held, challenges given, and thinly veiled exhortations addressed by the Becksiders one to another with a view to promoting liberality. It was getting dark on the Friday evening as the super reached the top of the hill going down to the village, and his reverence was just tightening rein to steady his steed down the rough incline when a man came out from behind a gatepost and cried, looking cautiously round as he did so, Way! It was Long Ben, and as he came close to the trap, the super noticed a look of apprehensive caution on his face. After the heartiest of greetings and another anxious glance towards the village, he said, dropping his voice almost to a whisper, He's been a gate on me again. He winna let me gin out. Who won't? asked the super. Way, him, jerking his thumb in the direction of the clog shop. He says, I'll nobbut for to gi five pound. And Ben's long face lengthened considerably with an injured, resentful expression. Well, can you afford more, Mr. Barber? asked the super, who knew enough to justify the question. Afford? What's affording to do with it? cried Ben, now fairly roused. This is for the Lord's house, isn't it? I mun afford and I will, for other him o' yo. Well, but with your family, Mr. Barber. Family? That's just it. Do you think my children had like for to go there and gin out to aught the fettling of it? No, no, Mester. We's do it if we ain't a clem for it. And does Mr. Jabez want to stop you? Stop us? Aye, he does. He says, as if I give a harpenny more than a five pound, he'll stop the job. Well, what do you want me to do? of getting a bit of a plan for chetting him if you'll help me well what is it when you begin to read out the subscriptions you mun read out ben barber five pound and then a bit efther you can say a friend twenty pound don't you see and there's the brass and ben handed the minister five five pound notes a few minutes later the super and ben entered the clog shop in company and jabe seeing them together glared fiercely at ben and demanded where's bin but ben merely sauntered to his seat with his hands in his pockets and began humming a tune tum 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 cried jabe mocking the carpenter's music and evidently in the worst of humours thar's summat to tum tum about thar's and eyeing him with a look of mingled suspicion and disgust he suddenly demanded hast brought that writing papa eh now cried ben in sudden remembrance or clean forgetting it and he hurried off homeward jabe watched him disappear with distrustful uneasy looks and then turning with a heavy sigh to the minister he cried despairingly or's ne'er mak nowt on him aw can see aw've been trying forty year and aw'm further off the river and then on sudden recollection he changed his tone and said but i want to have a word wi yo mr shuper afore we go proceed mr steward 
Nah, when you startin' a talkin' about brass to neat, yon soft ninny'll be up on his feet and givin' away his childer's mate afore we know where we are. Well, I'm goin' for to stop him. As soon as yon up and art, you mun read art, Jabez Longworth, twenty-five pound, and then, afore he has time for to speak, you mun say, Ben Barber, twenty-five pound, and if yon mon gets up on his lung legs, you mun stop him, and if he gets up twenty times, you mun stop him, and there's the brass. And Jabe handed fifty pounds to the minister in golden notes. The super, touched, amused, and a little embarrassed by the conflicting confidences of these two friends, was about to reply, when Ben returned with the writing materials, and all three adjourned to the chapel. A goodly company had assembled, and after a formal opening the minister proceeded in a clear and forcible speech to explain the scheme and solicit subscriptions. "'I have received one or two subscriptions already,' he said, "'which I will read. "'Mr. Benjamin Barber, five pounds. "'A friend, twenty pounds.' There was an exclamation of smothered wrath from Jabe, but the minister proceeded. "'Mr. Jabe as Longworth, twenty-five pounds.' Mr. Benjamin Barber, twenty-five. The meeting looked mystified. Two subscriptions in one name sounded very odd. Long Ben sat in his side pew with his eyes closed, and his face void of all expression, and Jabe, after emitting from tightly pursed lips certain indescribable sounds, suddenly rose to his feet, and glaring over the heads of the people across the whole length of the chapel, exclaimed, shaking a podgy finger at Ben, Thou thinks thou's done it this time, dost na? Would all be straight with thee yet, thou long lump yed thou? The minister was shocked at this very unparliamentary language, and was about to intervene when his attention was diverted by a scuffling sound in one of the middle pews, where Sam Speck and Nathan seemed to be having some trouble with Silas, the chapel-keeper, who was tightly jammed between them. More subscriptions began to come in. Dr. Wormsley, in his own and his dear wife's name, offered a thank-offering for a good mother, followed by smaller gifts from the ladies themselves. Then came Jonas Tatlock and Johnty Harrop, followed by poor Phoebe Green from the Mangle House, who wanted to thank God for being a friend to the widow and sending her some more friends. Ten pan, Mr. Shooper, shouted Nathan the Smith, still embarrassed by that mysterious conflict in the middle pew. And me ten! chimed in Sam Speck, apparently out of breath from the same cause. Then a sudden hush fell on the assembly, as Sniggy Parkin stood up in evident emotion. "'Oh, or haven't getting gradely straight yet, friends,' he stammered. "'But if you'll trust me twelve months, I'll gi two pound ten for the school, Mrs. God bless her. Loud amens. And two pound ten for this blessed old place where Jesus washed my sins away.' Then came smaller contributions from others of the reformed brick-crofters, each accompanied by some rudely tender reference to the school missus. A pause followed, and Lige the road-mender started off singing, There'll be na more sorrow there. And when that was got through, Job Sharples, the niggardly pig-dealer, rose. There was breathless silence as he opened his pew door and walked up to the communion rail, behind which the minister sat and put down on the table a coin. Then he smiled patronisingly on the minister, and walked back to his seat. 
several persons rose in their seats and leaned over to see what the coin was a sovereign passed in whispers round the chapel and expressive looks were exchanged as the whispers reached the back pew jabe rose from his seat paused to draw himself to his very fullest height and then kicking savagely at the disobedient pew door he limped down the whole length of the chapel took the coin from the table and stepping with a haughty mien to job's seat he placed the coin on the narrow book-rest with a loud click saying as he did so in tones of inexpressible scorn and irony that conner fwoord it job and then with his nose very much in the air he limped back to his pew a second time at a moment of intense interest that mysterious noise came from sam speck's pew and taking advantage of the momentary distraction job snatched his cap from one of the pegs against the wall and hurried out a few more subscriptions were now announced including quite reckless sums from jethro and lige and once more that unruly disturbance in sam speck's neighbourhood broke out a sharp sound like the rending of cloth was heard and silas the chapel-keeper with a flapping rent in one of his coat-sleeves came struggling out of the pew having evidently escaped with difficulty from the restraining hands of sam and nathan with his long thin hair waving about and excitement and triumph in his look he rushed up to the table and dragging out of his pocket a large tobacco-box he opened the lid and emptied the contents before the minister it was a strange collection there were several dim and dirty threepenny and fourpenny pieces a number of green mouldy coppers two crowns a few other odd silver coins and three little greasy packets containing a half sovereign each they say aw mun a given out cos i'm so poor he cried in his wild way they say as they'll send it back if i do did the lord stop the poor widow for a giving cos oo were poor did he send her mite back now and he winna send mine back if they do it were all as who had and he took it and it's all as i have and he'll tak mine and aw dar on you you to stop me and poor silas sank sobbing upon the communion cushion friends said the minister with wet eyes and shaking voice silas like the widow has given more than we all for he has given of his necessity End of chapter 16